0: Good evening and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grodi, your host, coming to you over EWTN radio. And uh, we're broadcasting from the Coming Home Network International Studios in in central Ohio. Thank you for joining us. Um, This program, we focus on studying the Word of God in the context of the teacher to whom Christ has given us, and that's the church. It's through the church that we receive the canon of the scripture. We receive the scriptures as a part of sacred tradition. And as we study, uh, we try and make sure that what we're saying uh, is in the context of what they call the analogy of faith. And that's important. I've got a wonderful friend that's going to join us tonight, David Curry. And we may get into this discussion as we look at a variety of verses. Uh, I asked David to choose uh, a verse that he found particularly inspiring for his journey to follow Jesus Christ and he narrowed it down to six. <laughs> and so we, we figured, well, we'll just enjoy talking about these verses. And if we get to one or to two or to all six, it, we'll leave that up to the Holy Spirit tonight. But the, the thing that I wanted to mention in the context of these verses about uh, studying within the analogy of faith, what that basically means is that that the Bible was never intended um, as kind of the, the textbook out of which we pick the 10 verses that then teach us what baptism is, because the scriptures are a part of the wider sacred tradition. And so we don't necessarily go to scripture, for example, to discover the meaning of baptism. We recognize that the Holy Spirit guided both oral and written tradition through Jesus to the apostles, through their hand-chosen disciples to the bishops, and we have this truth that the church has protected about the meaning and the importance and the necessity of baptism. And then we go to scripture to see how this is fleshed out in the life of Jesus and his apostles and in the book of Acts and then in the theology that we find in the epistle letters in the second half of the New Testament. And so the analogy of faith guides us on how we interpret scripture. You can find three or four verses on baptism, for example, that make, you, make one person believe that only infants should be baptized, another person to believe that only adults should be baptized. Another person can find a different set of verses to decide that only believers should be baptized. Another group of, of folk can take different verses to say that baptism isn't even necessary. So how do you decide? Which verses do you choose? Which order do you put them in? Well, See, we make sure that we recognize that the Spirit has guided the church so we understand the truth about baptism, and then all those verses about baptism make sense. We may not talk about baptism tonight. tonight, I'm just using it as an example of the need to study Scripture within the analogy of faith that we've received through the Spirit in the church. Now, David Curry, good friend, convert to the Catholic Church. He's an author of two best-selling books, The first is Born Born Fundamentalist, Born Again Catholic by Ignatius Press. It gives his journey. Uh, He uh, was a a preacher's kid in the fundamentalist movement and studied at Trinity College and then at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. And this book uh, tells about how he, having become a fundamentalist missionary, he and his wife Colleen, talks about their journey of faith into the church, in which he's actually... The book was telling his dad about why he would do this. And his second book is Rapture, the End Times Error that Leaves the Bible Behind by Sophia Press. And it's one of the best-selling books that just breaks through all the goofiness about the rapture that's been accepted by so many today and uh, gives the history and cuts through some of the bad use of Scripture to defend the idea of the rapture. And David might talk about that in a moment. He is a research fellow with the St. Paul Center. Uh, He's appeared on many times on EWTN and the History Channel. He's been on my program, The Journey Home. Uh, And he's a a writer and a speaker. And so Dave will join us in just a moment. I want to remind you that this program is connected to the website deepinscripture.com. If you would like to call us with a question or send us an email, you can do that right now. We'd love to have you Your question on the program, you can call us at 800-664-5110 or 740-450-1175 or you can send me an email at marcus, M-A-R-C-U-S, at deepinscripture.com. You can also go to the website and watch uh, this program live on a web stream. Go to the deepinscripture.com website. Now, David chose a number of scriptures. I'm just going to read, oh, maybe the first three selections, and then we'll take a break and he'll join us. I'm not sure how much we'll get to, but these are verses that Dave has considered particularly inspiring in his own journey of faith. The first is from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13. Brethren, do not be weary in well-doing. And then he chose a verse from Daniel. Chapter One, Verse Eight, which uh, makes sense. Uh, David's working on a book uh, on a, a commentary on the Book of Daniel. Let's pray for him. He's got a lot of work to do. He says, but it's uh, coming along. Daniel One Eight says, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's rich food or with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And then the third verse that I'll read of David's collection comes from Nehemiah. Chapter 8, verse 10. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to him for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. All right, let's take a break. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grodi, your host, and you're hearing us on EWTN your Global Catholic Radio Network. EWTN.com is online with program information, the latest news, Pope Benedict XVI, plus tools for living the faith like prayers, Catholic Q&A, and other resources. Log on today to EWTN.com.
1: Coming Home Network International and Marcus I invite
0: you to join us for our 7th Annual Deep in History Conference coming this fall to Columbus, Ohio. This year we will begin On the Rock looking to understand the question of authority,
1: the pillar and bulwark of truth. Join us the weekend of October 23rd as we bring together another exciting list of speakers. For more information, go to deepinhistory.com
0: or call us at 800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grody, your host, and uh, I'm joined tonight by David Curry. We had a little phone uh, problem. How are we doing now, David?
1: Marcus, I think we are clear as a bell. Hey, it sounds great. I appreciate the two people that were trying to get us so we didn't have a buzz on the line.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, David, it's great to talk to you.
1: Yeah, it's good to talk to you again, Marcus. It's been a while since we've been together, but it's good to talk.
0: Yes, it is. And uh, again, I want to take this time that we're on the air to... uh, Thank you for the two books that I mentioned that you've written.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, I I, uh, I really never planned on being an author. You know, uh, <laughs> it just sort of happened. You know, uh, the first book I wrote as a as a letter to my dad, right. who was a fundamentalist minister, to try to explain to him, you know, why I had lost my mind. You know, and, <laughs> and that was was uh, was reconciling with the Catholic Church and. Um, um, it, God just sort of took that book and, and has used it in a lot of people's lives in a way that I never really expected. And it, it's, it's all the grace of God. I mean, I'm a Catholic because of the grace of God, and yep. and that book was written as a result of the grace of God, and God uses it, you know, in His grace. I really don't take any credit at all for it. Um, it it's just a, a miracle to me when someone writes me and says, you know, boy, I'm in the Catholic Church because I happened to see this crazy book called Born <laughs> Fundamentals, Born Again Catholic, and had to read it.
0: Well, I, your book uh, is, I consider, one of the best out there, and and maybe it was because you were speaking from the heart to your father, uh, and so that, uh, you know, uh, I'm a writer, uh, I almost have to use a little W, not a capital W, that's reserved for, for really great writers. <laughs> for but, Chesterton. <laughs> yeah, for Chesterton, and I would never put myself in that by any means, but... Uh, You know, when you write something, you have an audience in mind. Just like when we do this radio program, I have an audience in mind who I'd like to speak to. And uh, when your audience is kind of nebulous or huge, it makes it more difficult to write. But when you're trying to write something to your father, there are certain sensitivities uh, that guide you.
1: And, and, uh, you know, obviously I edited out some of the more personal stuff when... It was actually my my uh, spiritual director, who's still my spiritual director, um, <laughs> that said, uh, you know, I think you should get this published. And I said, well, I can't publish it the way it is. And so I took some of the more personal things out. But yeah, you're right. That same tone, I think, uh, yeah. of a son just trying to explain to his father uh, probably still comes through.
0: And uh, somewhere on our website, I think, or in one of our newsletters, I I've got a list of the 16 barriers that keep people from considering the catholic faith and these have come about as a result of our work in the coming home network international we we do our work with clergy protestant clergy that consider the catholic faith and invariably the n- the the number one reason that stands in the way of people considering the catholic faith is ignorance yeah not stupidity it's just they don't have the data yeah. and to me that's what i believe you were trying to do is to sensitively break through the barriers the anti-catholic the confusion to get the data there and let the data speak for itself
1: well there's so very very few people that really disagree with what the catholic church actually teaches mm-hmm. very few christians at least that disagree but there's so many christians that disagree with what they think the catholic church teaches yeah. and, uh, and you know that's 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 your point and it, it is so true um I, I honestly, you know, I mean, I went to a Bible school, I went to a Christian college and, and majored in philosophy, then I went to seminary, and I never read extensively Catholics in their own words. I read about what Catholics said, and that's never quite fair. You know, um, and what what yeah. I would challenge, uh, what I do challenge people to do is, you know, read read a chesterton he's a catholic read read what he actually says about the church or or read church documents or read encyclicals from the pope and what you find when you get into these church documents i i thought they were going to be dry and boring and canonical you know uh, uh, legal you know and they weren't at all they were they were intensely pastoral and spiritual and and uh, phenomenal <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and and so you know, I think that's what. If people will do that, then all of a sudden they'll find out what the, the Catholic Church really is all about.
0: Now, your second book was about the Rapture, and I know that wasn't necessarily the topic we wanted to do tonight. But I'm wondering if some of that was the same motivation behind that book.
1: Well, yes, it was. Um, I wasn't thinking so much of my father on this as just um, I was almost writing it to myself. <laughs> um, if that makes sense, um, I was raised in the the whole theology that Christ was going to come back at any moment, um, and and I remember, you know, in before nineteen eighty eight, that was the forty years after you know Israel had oh, been t- founded in nineteen forty eight, yep. and you know nineteen eighty eight was forty years, a generation later, um, and I remember all of those books and mm-hmm. and tapes and sermons and and beliefs that we had. And I moved away from that, obviously, in order to become a Catholic. And so what I wanted to do is, is as much maybe for myself as for anyone else, is, is present a Catholic view of the scriptures that I had misinterpreted as a Protestant. Um, you know, the Thessalonians and the Daniels and, the, and all the passages that we took and said, hey, this means the uh, the rapture the end of the, the world is, is upon us and look at how the Catholic Church historically had looked at it and really how the context demanded that it be looked at mm-hmm. and I came away with a very Catholic understanding of the end times and, and found that all the verses surprise surprise <laughs> uh, were were Catholic and yep. um, it really shouldn't surprise us I mean um, you know the the Bible was written by Catholics. Yep.
0: Well, I want to tell the audience I'm quite sure that if you go to the chnetwork.org website and then click on our resources, you'll find that both your books are there because I know we, we've we selected books that we believe are particularly helpful for non Catholics to understand the church or for Catholics to use to give away. And so, uh, you know, it, we'd love to have the audience consider either of your books. Um,
1: and, you know, let me just say this, Marcus. Yeah. I met you just after I came into the church, Mm -hmm. and you hadn't actually been in the church for that long um, when we met either, and I really did find a home in in the Coming Home Network, Uh, a a camaraderie and a a place where, you know, people understood where I was coming from and and the struggles that I was going through, because, you know, a a, a person that comes from our background... if. Whatever whatever the specific details might be, there's specific struggles that you go through. And um, uh, so I just want to say thanks well publicly I, here for, for all the help over all the years, Marcus.
0: Well, I appreciate that very much. Our goal in the Coming Home Network is, is always to see ourselves as standing beside people and not talking down to them or especially not rejecting where they've come from because I know you probably affirmed the way I feel that I'll be eternally grateful to those Protestant pastors and, and seminary professors and Protestant friends that, that brought me to Jesus. Absolutely. Long before I ever considered the Catholic faith, I owe them my faith in Christ.
1: If I hadn't been an evangelical, I might not be a Catholic. Yeah. You know, and so... Uh, it was through evangelicalism, fundamentalism, that I came into the church. So I agree with you. I've, I have nothing bad to say about where I came from.
0: Yeah, we just want them to have the fullness, uh, right? Which right. is
1: there's there's more to the story. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I'll tell you what. You picked some verses for us to look at tonight, um, and I only read three of them. Uh, and the first one is Second Thessalonians three thirteen. Brethren, do not be weary in well doing. Why would you choose this as the first on the list?
1: Well, you know, Marcus, uh, when I was a Protestant, I, cho- I chose this verse as my life of verse. Okay. You know that yep. Protestants do that a lot. And they, yep. Mine's Proverbs
0: 3, 5, and 6. But,
1: okay, yep. okay, yeah. Um, great verses. Um, this verse has the, uh, is sort of unusual in that it's actually in two passages in Scripture. It's in it's the exact same verse. Second Thessalonians three thirteen, and then it's right at the end of Galatians in Galatians six nine. Wordings a little bit different, but Mm -hmm. it's the same idea. Um, In Galatians it reads, "Let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not." (laughs) Um, But the whole the reason I chose it as a life verse, and I kept it as my life verse as a Catholic, because I didn't I didn't go to follow a new God when I became Catholic. You (laughs) know, it's the same God. It's the same Church. Like as you said. It's just the fullness of all that, mm-hmm. and um, so the verse I chose when I was just a young man. I'm not a young man anymore, Marcus, <laughs> <laughs> um, because um, I always have struggled with trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a human condition. It's you know we have names for it, concupiscence, uh, kind of and all you know, yep. different kinds of words. Uh, big words, but basically what it is is, as the old Indian said to the young Indian, I have two dogs that fight inside me all the time. <laughs> you know, and the, the one dog wants to do right and the other dog wants to do evil. And the young Indian said to the old Indian, "Well, which dog wins? And the old Indian said, the dog I feed. <laughs> and that really is, you know, Paul wrote this verse in both Galatians and 2nd Thessalonians and, and I think that's his point there is it's it takes work to do the right thing on a daily basis whether it's you know the little things like coming home and saying a compliment to your wife when you walk in the door or looking at your kids and giving them encouragement when they maybe didn't do as well as they could have or when you're at work and somebody gets under your skin and you just you know you just let it go those kinds, the little things are sometimes the hard things that wear <laughs> us down. You know what I mean? That, that just make it hard to do the right thing, you know, um, day after day, after hour after hour.
0: Let me, let me play a little devil's advocate with sure. you right now. Because it's just you and me talking. No sure. one's hearing us. Okay, good. <laughs> I, you know, this life verse thing. And, and I've, you know, I said my life verse was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 which is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. Exactly. And that guided my life. and still does to this day. It, it's, it's the verse I love uh, mm-hmm. and believe to be true. However, it was also one of the verses that the way I call it, the verse I never saw. It was one of those verses that awakened me to the problems of Protestantism because you can take those verses and start digging into them and realize that you can make them say whatever you want them to say. Yeah, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Well, what does that mean? Right. Lean on to your understanding. And all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. You know, the, how do you know your verse? Brethren, do not be weary in well-doing. Well, let me tell you something, David. I know somebody that decided to divorce his wife because... He was so wound up in ministry, and she was she was complaining to him about he spent so little time with the family because of his ministry mm-hmm. that he wouldn't get up his ministry because well I'm, I'm, that's my calling that's what I'm called to do and so his marriage falls apart. How do you know when you're not being you know, too overzealous, or when you know that what you're doing is exactly what God wants you to do as opposed to the enemy trying to to ru- to uh, who was the the founder of uh, campus Crusade? I think it was either it was Dallas, you know Dallas Troutman, I think was um navigators. and his his old saying used to be, um, uh, uh, you know was it wear yourself out, don't rust out, or something like that. you yeah, know right wear out, don't rust out. yes. Well, I mean, you, you, can, you can be pushing yourself in wrong directions. Yeah. How do you know?
1: Yeah. You know, let me, let me, uh, let me start with where you, you started. Uh, you know, that <laughs> verse, your, your life verse was, was a real trial for me. <laughs> um, because, because exactly because of the problem that I didn't have a church telling me what it meant. Yeah. Because I remember wondering, agonizing as, as a teenager, about whether I trusted God enough hmm. to be saved. In other words, yep. when it's only faith, when it's only you know my faith. Yeah. What if my faith isn't strong enough? What if I don't really believe? What if I don't really trust with all my heart?
0: And there are just uh, for the audience, there are fundamentalist groups out there that say that if you're sick, it's because your faith isn't strong enough, or if oh, you're yeah. if you're not successful, or if you're if you're doubting, or if you're struggling, or you got pain, it's because you don't have enough faith and And it's
1: it's all my problem yeah yeah (laughs) you know and uh so i I totally agree with you boy i'm i'm so glad i have a church to guide me um uh, you know in 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 how we look at scripture um and you know you only have to go into to three churches and hear three sermons on the same verse to realize that we need a magisterium you know because they're all going to say say that the verse means something different um, and we all have that, that human um, problem of, of pride. And, you know, yep. unfortunately in the ministry, uh, I mean, you were in the ministry, I was in the ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, we both know that pride is a problem in the ministry. Um, and it, 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 just, uh, it just is.
0: Well, in and defining what well-doing is.
1: Exactly. I That's, know
0: some people that defend abortion
1: because you're helping the girl yeah yeah exactly you know so what we have to do is place place this in the context of all of the moral tradition of the church exactly and and uh it's a it's a you know going back to your illustration for example it's a sacrament to be married um it's one of the few sacraments i experienced as a protestant so it's a sort of a special sacrament to me Mm -hmm. right (laughs) um but uh You know it's there to help me become holy and you know obviously this man didn't ask my advice but I would I would have probably said to him your commitment to your marriage is a holy commitment that takes precedence over the holy commitment that you made to your ministry because we we all like to we all kid ourselves uh, you know and our pride gets in the way and we all think well you know this can't be done unless I do it or this you know, this is such an important ministry. I, I have to, you know, this is more important than my marriage. Um, but nothing, you know, nothing is more important than yeah. my own pilgrimage to, to to get to heaven. And after that, my wife. That's my second responsibility. And third upon that is my kids. Uh, those those are my number one well-doing problems. And, and I don't know if you noticed when I said, you know, be weary and I well doing. I I chose family, yeah. <laughs> family yeah. examples, Marcus, because that's where really the rubber hits the road. For, you know, for everyone,
0: even people that are single. You know, you, it doesn't mean that you're you're not responsible to others, or or that you're not a channel of, of God's care and, and and love for others. You know, this verse it's short. Do not be weary in well doing. But that verse, to me, speaks volumes. About the blessing of the church to let us know to what extent uh, we're exerting our gifts and our efforts in the right area, in the right amount of time. We're always encouraged to have spiritual directors. Mm-hmm. We're, go, we're to go to confession um, so that we know uh, that we're keeping balance and I giving us the models of saints to help us understand balance
1: we're all so very good at kidding ourselves you know and and that's where the spiritual direction and the confession comes you know i look back and i think you know i i try to go to confession one once a week or once every other week in that in that neighborhood and i think you know i'm getting this feedback on my journey that i never had before and i wonder how did i make any progress beforehand you know because that 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 objective third-party look at what you're doing on a daily basis, and that, you know, um, if there if there's a Protestant, you know, listening to us, the beauty of the confession is that there's a person there that can't tell anybody what you tell them. Yep. <laughs> so you can be 100% honest about your weaknesses and 100% honest about about you know what your struggles are, and uh, you're you're speaking to Christ. You know, uh, uh, he's standing in the place of Christ and is there to help you as Christ is there to help you. Um, but yeah, I can't imagine, you know, because we all kid ourselves so much about what what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. Um,
0: yeah, and, and of course, you and I are talking about the example of people that may overexert themselves, which is actually probably not the problem that Paul was worrying about. He was worrying about like in Hebrews <coughs> where he's saying, encourage one another to... To gather for worship, as a lot of people aren't doing
1: I mean right in fact the the, the context of Galatians makes it even more clear than the context of second Thessalonians oh, that, right. You know, it's, it's right at the end of this passage and and uh, you know or at the end of the book excuse me mm-hmm. and you know it's the book where he's he's arguing for his ministry and he's, he's arguing that, that the Galatians need to not leave the gospel that he's given to them the gospel of grace, not mm-hmm. of law and um, and it, the verse right before, he says, He that soweth to his flesh shall of flesh reap corruption, but yeah. he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So he, he, gives, he, he gives these you know, these two dogs inside you. He tells you, there's these two dogs. You know There's your, your flesh, mm-hmm. and, if you, if, and if, you, if you go along with your flesh, you're going to reap, you know, in the end, corruption. And then there's the spirit life. And if you feed the spirit life, uh, then you're going to reap life everlasting. But then it's almost like he catches himself and he says, "Oh, but you know what? Don't get tired of doing that. It's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a lot of work to say no to the flesh and to say yes to the spirit on a moment-to-moment basis. But it's worth it because yeah. in the mo- in in, the, in due season, you know, if we don't faint, we'll reap."
0: Well, listen, David. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll look at Daniel chapter one, verses
1: eight. Okay.
0: You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grody, our host. I'm joined tonight by David Curry, and you're hearing us on EWTN, the Global Catholic Radio Network.
2: If you enjoy the Journey Home television program on EWTN, you'll want to purchase a copy of Marcus Grody's book, Journey's Home. Journey's Home contains the conversion stories of men and women who, as a result of their surrender to Jesus Christ, Heard a call to follow him more completely in the Catholic Church. Many of them were Protestant pastors or missionaries. Others were laymen who, though working in secular jobs, took their calling to serve Christ in the world very seriously. To order your copy of Marcus Grudy's book, Journey's Home, simply visit our website at www.chresources.com or call us toll-free at 1-800-664-5110.
0: Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grodi, your host. I'm joined tonight by David Curry, author of uh, two excellent books, Born Fundamentalist, Born Again Catholic by Ignatius Press and Rapture, the End Times Era that Leaves the Bible Behind, Sophia Press. All right, David, the second verse that you chose tonight is uh, Daniel 1.8. Now, let me say before I quote it, uh, I'm hoping you're farther than chapter 1-8 in your book on Daniel. <laughs> yes, uh,
1: I am. As you know, I'm working on a book on Daniel. Right. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I had, I had another uh, Catholic author mention to me, he said, you know, if you're writing a book on Daniel, uh, have you made friends with Daniel yet?
0: <laughs> and,
1: you know, that's one of the beauties of being Catholic is we understand this whole communion of the saints and mm-hmm. that, that these saints are in heaven and they're interested in what we're doing and they're willing to intercede for us. Yes. And uh, so I've, I've, I, 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 I've, I uh, sought to make a friendship with Daniel, with Saint Daniel. And uh, you know that is a
0: beautiful thing. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, I, I mean the uh, the whole community of saints discussion, which needs a longer th- time than we have here on the on the program. And I encourage him on the audience to look in the Catechism and the teaching of the Church about that. But the beauty of the closeness that we can continue to sense with those we love who've gone beyond.
1: Yeah, and, and the connection that this made is, you know, I, I sense that with my father. I sense that you know with, with people that I've known that have gone beyond. Yep. But this author helped me to understand, hey, you can have that with St. Daniel.
0: <laughs> you can
1: have that with St. Paul. And if, are you having trouble understanding Ephesians? then ask Saint Paul what he meant. Yeah. You
0: know? Which is exactly <laughs> what the Holy Father was encouraging us to do for the last year was to Exactly to ask for Saint Paul's intercession as we battled with an understanding his Epistles, which so many people take in so many different directions. Okay. Let me, and Daniel's one of those books that people have taken at least two different directions, right?
1: Two, two major ones, yeah, two major ones. <laughs> but probably a thousand a others. A thousand, thousand little, you know, uh, yeah. There's you know, two major ones and a lot of sort of branches off of those, exactly. Oh, yeah. um, but, uh, you know, as, as I've made friends with Daniel, and, and, and I'm trying to write this book on Daniel, um, he was an amazing kid. I mean, he was only a kid. You know but he was he was of royal blood he's a son of david um he's taken maybe 15 maybe 16 years of age he would have surely have known the prophet jeremiah uh as jeremiah was predicting the downfall of of uh, of jerusalem and then he's taken captive brought to babylon uh probably made a eunuch as isaiah had predicted um, it, it, life has not been real good in the first 15 years, Daniel.
0: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> you know, doesn't sound very appealing.
1: Man. No, you know, that's not the program I signed up for, you know. <laughs> um, but he finds himself in this foreign country and he knows that Jeremiah has, has told him that he needs to make a home there, that this is God's will. God willed the downfall of Jerusalem. And God's going to bring the best thing out of all this. And eventually, God's going to bring you all back to Jerusalem. And we see this, little, this, this really adolescent boy, and this is why this verse means so much to me, just the part that says, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. You, you find yourself in a, in a pagan culture. All your friends have turned the back, except for three, have turned their back on what you were raised in. It's, you know, it's sort of like going to college.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, and there you are. Um, exactly. Uh, I got two sons in college. Right. And I, and but hopefully they don't come back eunuchs. You know? Well, <laughs> um, I had been thinking about that, but yeah, I don't want that to happen. But <laughs> but the other issue you talk about in terms of being defiled by the culture or the lack thereof, or the uh, lack thereof of of morality, or lack thereof of belief in truth, the lack thereof of all these other things, it surrounds them and pressures them in every imaginable direction. Exactly,
1: and and I and, I, and you, Daniel knew exactly what that was all about. You know, if, if anything, he it, you know it was worse than going to college. Um, and yet, Daniel, at fifteen or sixteen years of age, says, "I will not defile myself." If there's something that i can do to keep from it i will do whatever it takes not to defile myself and it sort of ties in with that first verse that we started mm-hmm. with marcus mm-hmm. you know if we don't be weary in well doing if we don't faint then we will reap in due season and the whole rest of the book is the story of daniel's reaping that initial decision to not defile
0: himself That's what i was going to ask you it's been a while since i've read daniel and I was trying to remember, was this the beginning?
1: Yes, this is right at the beginning of the this is when I mean, he thi- says, this
0: particular decision by his.
1: Right, this is the first decision of his that we hear about.
0: Okay, that set the stage for, it sets the stage for what happens the rest of his life. All right.
1: Exactly, and so he, he, you know, he's, he's told, okay, you're going to eat this food that has been offered to the, to the idols. And that's the point at which he says, I, w- I resolve not to defile myself. And so he goes to his, his supervisor and says, hey, you know, can I just have, have you know, vegetables, uh, seeds? Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy says, well, golly, if I do that, you know, the king's going to have my head. He's thinking, I'm eating your food. And Daniel says, well, just try us out for 10 days. Just try us out for 10 days. And if at the end of 10 days we don't look good, then that's fine. Uh, you know, I'll figure something else out. And, of course, God provides and 10 days later, Daniel is, is looking great. Um, you know, eating just seeds, and along with his three friends. But but, but what what just amazes me is this 15-, 16-year-old boy uh, that obviously was raised right. I'm not saying that, that he just came out of the blue. He, he had a good, solid foundation. But he made the decision to not defile himself, even though that was the easy thing to do. Um, and as a result, then, his whole life is, is a witness where actually the first... Uh, part of, of Daniel by some commentators called the conversion of Nebuchadnezzar hmm. because what Daniel actually does is, is he converts Nebuchadnezzar hmm. this uh, king of the entire ancient world of Babylon um, gives his loyalty to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob uh, by the end of the, the fourth chapter because of Daniel and his friends.
0: You know I'm wondering if this verse is another example of of why we need the uh, analogy of faith, the church overarching us as we, uh, you know, glean our interpretation of scripture. Because I'm, I'm half wondering if Ellen G. White, who set the stage for the dietary rules of the Seventh Day Adventists, was guided by her take on this verse.
1: You know, I never thought about that, but you may be right. I haven't read a whole lot of her <laughs> of her writings.
0: Um. but the, the point is in, in the context of this verse if we expand it and bring it into the New Testament um, you know this points verse points to Christ and his church um, then we recognize this call to, uh, to be uh, unwilling to um, uh, um, compromise what is true and to take a stand for what is true uh, recognizing that jesus speaks to us through his church to guide us what is true that's what this verse is all about
1: exactly for daniel it had to do with with food mm-hmm. for us it very rarely does i think your point is 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 important um for us uh we we don't we don't live under the dietary laws yeah. uh and paul right. has made it very clear you know whether meat's been sacrificed to an idol hasn't been sacrificed to the idol it doesn't really matter, you know. The only reason you would ever worry about it is, is if there was a weaker brother watching you to see if you would eat it.
0: Who wasn't I, informed and didn't understand. And didn't understand that it, it, understand it, it wasn't important. Yeah, right.
1: Because the idol is nothing. The idol is, is, is a non-existent God. It's, is, is nothing to worry about. But Daniel was li- you're right, Daniel was living in a different age when, the, when it was important. Um, and, and those were issues that were, that were pro-God and anti-God. Um, but you're right, it brings us right back to the Magisterium. Because uh, for us in our culture, it's not really important whether we what meat we eat or whether we eat seeds or yep. <laughs> whether we're vegetarian or or uh, you know those kinds of things. What's important for us is well, you mentioned abortion earlier. Yep. You know, the the moral dilemma of of America at this time in history, mm-hmm. uh, the moral issue. Uh, those are the those are the the big things that we have to def- not defile ourselves with now.
0: And this is a great uh, a verse, to, again, to reflect in that area, because, I mean, come on, how easy could it have been for Daniel to say, you know, what difference? No one's going to see me.
1: Right? Well, that's the whole
0: point. He was, in. He was. you know, he there was
1: no way his parents would have ever found out. Right. He, he probably never saw his parents for the rest of his life as it was.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and hey, I'm I'm in Rome, why not do what the Romans that's do? Right. You know, I mean, hey, I'm in this new culture, this new cu- why not just kind of give in? No one's going to know. And all the friends
1: that he'd been raised with, with the exception of 3, were doing it. Yeah. You know, there were scores of young men taken from from Jude- Jerusalem and brought into this program. Um, doubtless many of them were older than Daniel. Mm-hmm. You know, and and maybe some of them were sort of like leaders, you know. Yeah. But Daniel said, no, I'm, I'm going to do what's right. And, uh, and, and, and as a result, God blesses him for the whole rest of his life because he decides to do what's right early in his life. And,
0: uh, uh, and again, that's a message for us to, you know, abortion, as you said, is, I mean, there it is. It's the scourge um, poster child of rebellion. But there are a lot of lesser areas that the church has established that are in the moral area. Um, some things that we shouldn't do in the privacy of our life. Well, no one's going to know. That's right. No one's going to know. Or, um, you know what? That little thing over there on that shelf. I'd love to have that. You know, no one's going to know. I'll just take that. You know, it, and or do we recognize even in the privacy of our of our lives we recognize? No, I will not be defiled. I will stand firm in faithfulness to Christ in his church because I believe that he established this church. It's guided by the Holy Spirit. I will trust the church. You know, even if I don't quite understand, G.K. Chesterton says, uh, we don't want a church that's right when we're right. We want a church that's right when we're wrong.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Um, And, and you know, uh, it is so easy in the privacy, uh, you know, we're, we're in the privacy of our own house. There's nobody there. Nobody knows what we're doing or where. We're had a town far away in a store. Nobody knows us. And, and I, this is one area, Marcus, that it, it's helped me since I've become a Catholic because I realized that my guardian angel will know.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Now, I, I've always known that Christ would know and that God would know. But my personal guardian angel will be disappointed in me if I if I do something wrong and um, you know Daniel actually has quite a bit of of doctrine about the angels in it that's mm-hmm. not in the earlier books of the Old Testament um, which which is what brought my guardian angel to my mind when you when you when you brought up the, the whole idea of being you know in a situation where nobody knows
0: well, let's take another break David um, and when we come back How about if we do the Colossians 124 passage? Okay. That's not an easy one, but it's a really good one. Okay. All right. Let's take a break. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi. I'm joined tonight by David Curry, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network.
2: Please visit our website, www.chnetwork.org, or contact us at 1-800-664-5110.
0: Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grody. I'm joined tonight by David Curry. Hey, David, we got uh, a phone call in, and uh, we ought to take it. Okay. Um, and I wish I could have uh, run it by you during the break, but I can't talk to you during the break. But okay. <laughs> uh, this came from Jesse uh, from San Jose, California. And I think his, his real life experience uh, that he's talking about uh, addresses a little bit of what we've been talking about. He writes that his nine-year-old grandnephew wanted to get baptized in the Catholic Church. The boy's mother questions, though, her belief in God. The parish said that he had to be a member of the parish and wouldn't baptize him. Well, why not? And the boy was baptized in a Protestant church. What's your thought about that?
1: I'm trying to sort it out. Uh, Let me read it again. So, and I'll, So the the mother didn't believe in God. Yeah.
0: the the uh, Jesse's grandnephew wanted to get baptized in the church, but the boy's mother didn't want him to and didn't believe in God. And so... You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of an old episode on All in the Family when, um, you know, who was the grouchy old uh, father named Carol O'Connor? Yeah. And his uh, stepson was supposedly a non-believer, and when they had their baby, didn't want to baptize him, so uh, uh, Carol's character snuck the baby into the church, and he baptized him himself. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> uh but, in this case, you know the boy's mother doesn't believe in God, so obviously doesn't want the boy baptized, but the parish would not baptize the the boy because he wasn't a member of the parish
1: hmm. now you know marcus fill me in this is a new one i mean is that is that a is that a rule
0: well I have to admit on on the air that i'm not sure of that, and I certainly don't want to be critical of a decision made at a local level when there might be 10 other uh, issues that come And yeah. But what it tells me is this, why would this make sense? I think it makes sense to me because the church teaches number one, that baptism is necessary for salvation. Mm-hmm. It teaches that the sacramental graces that wipe away original sin and make us into new creatures are, are necessary and important. So in that sense, the boy's desire is, is is right on. Is right, right on. And um,
1: he, and in that he's 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 the desire he has is expressed in scripture. It's expressed all throughout the early church fathers, and it's been in the church ever since.
0: Exactly.
1: I mean, you know, he, he's right in line with the apostles on
0: this one. <laughs> right. Exactly. On the other hand, we also know. Um, in fact, just today, of all things, I was reading in the canons of Nicaea that. Uh, the issue comes up about people too quickly being baptized before they know. You know, this isn't a case where people were old enough, they hadn't been baptized as babies, and so they were to be catechumens. Right. And so here's the point, that what it emphasizes that at the same token, the church doesn't say that baptism is magic. It doesn't automatically save somebody if there's no faith involved by the parents, or someone that's a guardian for this child and so if you are just gonna baptize someone and then they're gonna leave and you have no connection with them
1: there's no growth there's there's no no growth
0: and so so it's (laughs) the church has always said no we want them to be a part baptizing a person makes them a part of the family it isn't merely they went and got a bath and now they're clean and now move on no they become a part of the family and so that's why we just don't randomly baptize anyone or that we don't, since we believe baptism necessary, we don't just go out with holy water down the street and just throw it on everybody, assuming that's going to save them.
1: Right. It would be analogous in the, in, <clears throat> in the physical realm of bringing a baby into the world and then leaving it outside to freeze to death.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're not. So, so there's the both and in this, and I think the wisdom of the church is this is why In the same token, this has to do with marriage. You know, uh, that a a priest doesn't just randomly marry anyone that knocks on the door. Right. There's preparation. There's the context of the family. There's being a member of the body of Christ. There's being a good steward of the graces that they receive. All of that's important. Now, in this case, it says that the boy was baptized in a Protestant church. Well, on the one hand, um, there's a sadness there because they weren't a part of the family. On the other hand, we recognize that if the boy was baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that was a, a valid, valid...
1: valid baptism.
0: Exactly. So now the point is, okay, he's baptized. Now catechesis. Right. Now let's... And that's
1: that's I think where Jesse needs to step up. Exactly. <laughs> Good point. Uh, you know, Jesse, uh, you know, if you're still listening, um God made you his, you know, granduncle in his master plan for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it's because obviously you're Catholic and you understand what this nine year old boy needs. So it's your responsibility if his mother is not going to f- fulfill this, and it sounds like his mother's not interested in, in fulfilling it, it's your responsibility to step up and help the, the, this boy grow in the faith. Um, I wouldn't let the fact that he was baptized in, in a Protestant church keep me from helping him to understand the The truth of the the church
0: and prayer for his mother who he's going to have a battle if his mother really wants nothing to do with this. But as just as you said, Jesse's been put into a unique place, both as a prayer warrior and as a witness for the fullness of the faith.
1: And the one thing about being a Christian and a Catholic is is so amazing is it's one person makes such a difference Mm -hmm. to the flow of history. You know, uh, Jesse doesn't know what this boy is going to become. Yeah. He may become a St. Augustine Yeah, at some point. <laughs> um, he may, you know, may become a St. Thomas, you know. So, you know, we don't ever know, you know, say, well, golly, you know, how much, how much time and effort is it worth for this one boy? Well, it's, it's worth a lot.
0: <laughs> well, well, and we believe very deeply that a prayer for someone, just as Monica believed that prayer was good for her son, right. Augustine, that we believe that that is maybe the greatest thing we can do next to love, mm-hmm. and and then being a channel of the truth to someone. We know that that baptism has brought graces, and so they can be utilized, that not squandered. Right. Uh, you know, Jesus says in, in John fifteen, apart from me you can do nothing. Well, through baptism, Jesus is in that child because of the graces, the divine life. But that needs to be nurtured, and in a way, he has graces to uh, to help for understanding that he otherwise would not have. But they need to be there's Seeds there. They need to be nurtured. Exactly. Now, let's. Th- we got with the time we have. I said we'd look at your Colossians passage, Colossians 1:24, in which Paul says, "Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh, I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions, for the sake of His body." That is the church. And my guess is, David, that that was one of your favorite passages back when you were a fundamentalist.
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, I remember when I first came across this verse, I was about 14 years old. I had been, you know, I I was either right before I was baptized, right after I was baptized, I was baptized at 14. Um, And I came across this verse just in my own personal reading. I I never heard a sermon on it. Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Right. And uh, uh, it bothered me a lot. And uh, I ended up asking uh, the president of Dallas Theological Seminary, who happened to be at the house uh, a couple weeks after I found this verse. Oh,
0: interesting.
1: And I asked him, what, how do you answer this verse?
0: No, you might want to, oh, I wish you had more time. I mean, Dallas Theological Seminary is a dispensational seminary that was really into the rapture stuff. Right. And, I mean, they're, uh, they're, they are the rapture school, I think.
1: Yes, that and probably Moody, the, right. the two of them together. Yeah. And a lot of the teachers from Dallas, or at Moody, are from Dallas. And you know, there's a lot of. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, so, so he happened to be over, and I said, so "Here I am, with this little 14-year-old kid." And you know, he's a uh, <laughs> a very famous Christian. And uh, I just asked him, "I said, you know, I don't understand how this verse fits with our theology. How you know, what does Paul mean here? Because it sounded to me like Paul is saying that my sufferings." Can have salvific benefit for other people. Yep. and that is what Paul's saying, obviously. <laughs> exactly, but <laughs> in your
0: context, it does not make sense. That's in.
1: exactly what Paul's saying, but in the context of Protestant theology, that didn't make any sense because every person is saved by their own faith, and the the the, the sufferings of Christ are totally sufficient. And and this right. is a mystery on the Catholic from the Catholic perspective, but from the from the Protestant perspective, it's just not true. You know. Mm-hmm. Um so I asked him, and he said he said, "Well, Dave, um, we don't want to base our theology on an obscure verse that we that that is is confusing and we don't understand very well <laughs> and I thought to myself I, I mean here i'm fourteen i'm I'm look back on this, and I think you know I, I had the wisdom to keep my mouth shut, <laughs> yep, yep. Um, but I remember specifically thinking to myself." Well, doctor, I is not that I don't understand this verse. It's not an obscure verse. It's actually a very clear verse. Mm-hmm. It's simply I don't agree with what Paul is saying in the verse, and that's what I'm struggling with. And you know, of course, eventually I realized that my theology is what needed to be changed, not not the, not the verse. Yep. <laughs> um, but it, you know, Pope John Paul II of this verse said, "This is a great mystery. Mm-hmm. It's a great mystery." The, the, the sufferings of Christ on the cross did everything necessary for us to get to heaven all we have to do is join ourselves to that passion and cross of Christ through faith and baptism but at the same time because God is so generous to us he allows us to be a part of that salvation of the world by adding our sufferings to the cross that Christ
0: suffered at Well, let me say you just mentioned John Paul, and he has a tremendous encyclical that is basically a Bible study of this verse on the meaning of suffering that I'm sure you can get from EWTN.com's library. But we have to end there. So, David, thank you for joining us tonight.
1: Well, Marcus, thank you for having me on. I've really enjoyed it, and I'd I'd love to sit and talk to you for another
0: hour. (laughs) Well, we've got three more verses we haven't covered, so we'll have you back soon. (laughs) All right, thanks, David. Okay, thank you. And thank all of you for joining us tonight in Deep in Scripture. I hope that this has uh, tweaked your love for Jesus Christ and his church. If there's ever anything we can do to help you on your journey, please call us or write us. God bless you. See you again next week.